0: Hello and welcome to Plattress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing You Only Love Twice by Beck McMaster. This was published in 2018 and is the third book in the Blue Blood Conspiracy series. And I don't know what to tell you, I continue to just love this series. Um, Yeah, I think the only thing I want to make sure our our, our listeners are aware of
1: is the author is Beck McMaster. (laughs) It is the vampire books we have been reading. There is another book that is also a historical romance that came out around the same time with this exact same title. Very different book.
0: Don't read that one. I mean, if you want to read that one, go ahead. But it's not the one. That's not the one where if you're going to reserve it from your local library, know that you can be tricked. Yes, you can be tricked. We wouldn't know this from experience.
1: I I never wait till the day before to read a book and then text Meg and be like, I'm pretty sure I'm reading the wrong book.
0: (laughs) All right. This is I have a lot of things to say about this book. Yes. Um, so let's get into it. First rule of espionage, don't ever fall in love with your target. Five years ago, Gemma Townsend learned the hard way.
1: What happens when you break this rule? She lost everything. Her mentors trust the man she loved, and almost her life. Love is
0: a weakness she can never afford again. When offered a chance at redemption, the seductive spy is determined to complete her assigned task, to track down a dangerous assassin known as the Chameleon, a mysterious killer sent after the Queen, whose identity seems to constantly change but as her
1: investigation leads Gemma into a trap, she's rescued by a shadowy figure she thought was dead, the double agent who once stole her heart.
0: A man with few memories, all Obsidian knows is Gemma betrayed him and he wants revenge, but one kiss ignites the unextinguished passion between them and he can't bring himself to kill her.
1: Can Obsidian ever trust her again? Or is history doomed to repeat itself? Because it soon becomes clear the chameleon might be closer than either of them realized. And this time, Gemma is in the line of fire. I, I do This
0: is a trash jacket. Even by this <laughs>
1: series standards. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I don't know what to tell you. Again, my biggest issue with these book jackets yes. is that they never ever say that this is a vampire romance. <laughs> they never talk about that. It's like
1: never steampunk
0: London vampire romance. They, they never say in a world where vampires ruled London. You know? So I just, I'm just going to go through this. Um,
1: he's not a double agent. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> that's not a thing at all. Um... <laughs> There's no. How do I put this? The way they talk about the chameleon in that investigation does not accurately depict what is happening in this book. mm do And like, yes, Meg's the, the, correct. The biggest problem is that it doesn't set the scene. But like, this blue blood conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, conspiracy series is about. This team of crack spies, yes, cops, whatever, working to uphold the current world order against a mysterious force trying to bring it down, and the yes. scale of that is not here at
0: all. No, th- there are so many things that. Anyway, I'm. It's very interesting because I. I For me, I obviously picked this book up because it's the next in the series, and I'm really liking the series. I don't know if I would have picked it up from just reading that book jacket.
1: I definitely wouldn't have. So as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. In this episode, that number was 36. I'll start. Obsidian thinks Gemma tried to kill him, and Gemma knows Obsidian killed her and thinks he's dead. Now they're on opposite sides of a war, so he obviously kidnaps her out of lust and confusion. Duh. Obvious. It's, it's, it's Very obvious.
0: The ob- nothing's ever it's never been more only, obvious. The only thing that you can do in this situation.
1: Yeah, like, you keep being told that your group has to murder this lady, and you, like, Want her dead but your boner says no
0: it's really tough I, i'm gonna be honest i really kind of liked that part me too okay good i really like that part <laughs> all right let me get my random number summary out of the way and then we'll talk about the book the only thing that can overcome manchurian candidate style brainwashing faded mate style love of course you could be forgiven for thinking that the traitor in the company of rogues is the A-plot, but um, is definitely not.
1: I don't know what the A-plot was. I'm not going to lie to you.
0: I was not following a lot of what was going on. The A-plot is the romance. That's that's it. It's the only thing I can think of. Okay, yes, but let's talk about the tropes and then let's really get into the book. Big tro- Well, the big trope is that it's second chance romance. Yeah plus enemies to lovers right right and then we've already said that it's fated mates yep. it's fated mates in this in the way fated mates work in this world which is not you meet this person and you suddenly know they're your mate it's that your vamp, your dark side your vampire side you get to know someone and then your vampire side is like, yeah, that person is for me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, so in case you're wondering, like, in the, I like the way Faded Mates works in Vic McMaster's world because it already implies that you have a relationship. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It's not that you are not a relationship than,
1: like, a fascination.
0: Right, but it's like you are already want to get to know this person. You're already attracted to them. It's not like you see them and you're like, well, she is my mate, so now I've got to pursue her and harass her until she gives in. Yes. So that's not how this world works. Uh, okay, those are the main tropes.
1: Yeah. was um, an interesting character. I think she's a woman who shows off her independence and actually owns her independence through conspicuous consumption, specifically her wardrobe. And I actually yeah. generally really love characters like this, including Gemma, which is where I think the fact that I agree with you, this fell short of my expectations, which is a bummer, because she's awesome. Yeah, I, lo- she I this, really like Gemma. She has this totally custom-made wardrobe that she is very covetous of. Yes. Like, gets very upset
0: when people mar it or break it. And I totally, yes. like, loved that about her. I really loved it about how they'd be having a fight and then, or I don't even know, she would be swimming and she'd be like, God damn it, you just ruined my corset.
1: Or even things like they go
0: for a spy mission and she's dressed very practically and then they
1: start hooking up and he realizes her garter ties are like really expensive red silk. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, a woman who like thought through her outfit from the bottom out yes. and like put little touches of frivolity where she could. I respect. Mm-hmm.
0: And it makes sense for Gemma as a character, too, because she yes. was raised as someone who was supposed to be subsumed into other identities and not have her own identity, which right. to me is why she doesn't really have a name, right? I think Gemma is her name because she picked it.
1: I think I just wanted that to be textual.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, and, then- and Gemma was child groomed. Right.
1: And, and so in her case it's to be a spy, but I know we've seen lots of child grooming in romance novels.
0: So but I like I thought that this aspect of her character made a lot of sense as her being mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm gonna be an individual and show that, you know, partly because of my wardrobe.
1: Well, and even she doesn't have the ability to own property. Or to have many tangible things, because she's a spy who's been kind of constantly on the move. This is her one thing that she can not just have and spend money on, but actually, like, relish in. Yeah. And I, I like characters who likes, whose philosophy is sort of seize the joy where you can. Yeah, yeah. And if you do that through expensive, nice clothes, all the better.
0: Yes. Okay, some more tropes. There's um, amnesia. It's not amnesia romance in the way you think of amnesia romance, though. Right.
1: It's all his mental reprogramming.
0: Yes. So then I guess that's the other like brainwashing or mental reprogramming, however you want to say it.
1: Yeah, I. I know the whole point is he doesn't really know, but just how culpable he was in that was sort of unclear to me Mm -hmm. like how much of it was eternal sunshine of the spotless mind versus how much of it was he was just a victim of a psychopath who was lying to him
0: yeah yeah and i mean he he will probably never know because he has false memories and he has and clearly programmed him
1: to think it was an Eternal Sunshine situation, whether or not right. it was. So like, yeah, the, all of this, there is no truth to him. I just think this is like the main problem with this book for me is his character. Uh-huh. And he's a badass spy who's like stronger than all the other spies. I mean, this is a hedonic treadmill in a different way. But like <laughs> the bad boys have to keep getting where, like, the most powerful creature in the universe has to keep getting more powerful. Yeah, But he's, like, I wanted to really like him, but because of all this uncertainty, by virtue of, like, his character's experiences, I don't feel like you got to know him at all. Yeah, And you didn't have the opportunity to, like, valorize his choices because even the good things he does, he admits are only because of her. Yeah. And not out of some, like, greater sense of purpose or being good.
0: Well, I think what the other thing that's tough about this book, for me, is that there's not much of a love story. No. They co- sort of count on you to be like, oh, yeah, these people who had this epic love story in Russia are reunited, but you don't know what that love story is. You don't know what that love story is. You don't get a flashback. I, and you know what? It's very interesting because... Well, I don't know if it's that interesting to you guys listening, but I think I just realized about myself that that may be why I don't like second-chance romances. It's because you don't see the love story. Yeah. And flashbacks can be hit or miss, but
1: But. you have two options here. Either the flashbacks really don't matter and it's all about their love story in the present, which means you've got to flesh that out for me. But if you are going to do flashbacks, like, He's literally getting his memory back. There's like an organic way to do them in this right. text,
0: and it was and just all all Ugh. you get are flashes of them in bed, laughing, smiling moments they met but that that's it. That's all you get. You don't get like h- how you actually fell in love, and she keeps reflecting on like when she sees
1: moments of Dimitri in obsidian, yeah and. I didn't know who Dimitri was, so I didn't know what that meant.
0: Yes, and I did think it was interesting. So speaking of names, Gemma's name didn't bother me that much. Her, like, what's her real name? But Obsidian, the fact that he didn't start going by Dimitri at the end, I thought was a missed opportunity.
1: I also was sort of confused in the timing of it. Because, like, okay, so first of all, they think Dimitri was actually his birth name, which, given that all the kidnapping and whatever, okay, doesn't really make sense that chronologically his name wouldn't have been lost. But I'm not sure if the transformation into Obsidian happened before or after they met in Russia. Right. I don't know. Like, the whole timeline of these people being taken out of Falkirk, I think it was before So, I think on some level, he was already obsidian when she met Dimitri. So, that would mean then this mental reprogramming stuff started after Russia, which was sort of implied. But you're telling me they didn't do any mental experiments on these people before this moment of Gemma coming into Dimitri's life? It was very, like, it didn't make sense as a narrative, like on a very basic level.
0: Yeah. Okay. I do want to give Vegint Rector credit. Because I do really like this series. And even though this is. Pro- in my opinion. Probably the weakest link of the whole series. Mm-hmm. It was still hella of, hell of fun to read. Oh yeah. Like it starts. In the middle of the action. Like it, it starts with. Gemma's being stalked by these people. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know who they are. Like the, by the what probably fifth chapter. She's been kidnapped by Obsidian. Yes. You know they're hanging out. She's like, you know what? I'm going to seduce this guy to get out of here. <laughs> so she doesn't make you wait for that kind of action either. I was like, yep. okay. Like, I'm going to be honest. I really liked probably the first half of the book a lot, and then and, the and development it, I think didn't hit the spot for me. Yeah, I mean, it's so fun. Like you said, Beckwith Masters books are all fun.
1: I read it all so fast that I'm not quite sure where, I like, I I don't know. I think if the ending had had more substantial development, the beginning would have, like, been much more memorable in my mind. Yeah. I think because I just ended up in such a place of confusion, it's hard
0: for me to appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, I do think the book goes on a little too long as well. Like, I think th- there's there's what you think is going to be the, the climax of the book. And then you, you're you like, wait, I'm, I'm only 70% of the way through. Like, what else is going to happen? Is there a really long preview for the next book? No, there's, like, a whole entire new plot line.
1: Well, but I do think that plot line is leading up to the next book. Sure. It's cool. So what's, what's interesting is this book sort of ends the, like, London chapter of attacking the syndicate Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they need to relocate to like where the syndicate now is. I don't think this is a spoiler to say like they get a mind, they they end this book getting a victory, but not the victory. Right. And so the end of this book is trying, trying to lay out the groundwork for what the victory would be. And so I feel like it does sort of just start setting up the next book, but it's stuff that clearly where she wants to start the next book couldn't have been in that book. So right. it ends up, like, I honestly think the last, like, third could have been reworked to have a novella pulled
0: out of it. For sure. And then you would have more time for, like, more character development for yes. Obsidian. Mm-hmm.
1: More yeah, of a love story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, love story there. It's not that,
1: that stuff was bad. It was just that it was another layer in a book that already had too many.
0: I mean, it was it was a brand new storyline. was yes. It was like, a, you know, this the book happened and then oh wait we have to do this other thing too and it wasn't like an epilogue you know <laughs> yeah and there's
1: so many characters that get thrown in so you learn who like the main original dom piers were yes and then you learn about all these names in russian court life yeah and none of them matter to me like they i'm not saying they haven't come up before or that i couldn't like spout off a basic like w- employee bio about them or whatever for like evil syndicate but i don't actually know who they are or why any of this should matter to me and they even try to retroactively like so obsidian kills zero in like a brainwashed state in one of the earlier books not a spoiler like if you've read the earlier books in the series you know that happens and they try to like add additional emotional resonance to that Uh in this book and it just doesn't work because i didn't know zero Right. So it's all supposed to be me caring through the lens of Obsidian who's not a real character.
0: Yeah. He, he is very much tabula rasa. Yes. like you, you need to read into him what you want a hero to be. Okay, this is my issue with this book. Is the... And this is a very petty thing to bitch about. But I bitched about this in the first series too. It's about how this is supposed to be steampunk, right? And steampunk is supposed to be like pre-computer age. And it's supposed to be like, we don't, we're not using like microchips. We're using mm. steam power and gears and stuff like that. And in this book, they have things like little tiny incendiary devices and brainwashing and, you know, radio waves and basically Wi-Fi yeah. and stuff like that. And it really kind of bugs me. I, I know this is super petty, and I know I should just let it go because this is a fantasy. And for the most part, I do. But in this book specifically, because of how it really um, leans in on the brainwashing part, yeah, bugs me a little bit. That said, this is why Obsidian doesn't really have time to think about the larger political system because he's at war with his own conscience, his own psyche. So. All he can do, all he has, is to figure out, like, how can he hold himself together? I don't think he thinks very hard about what he's actually doing.
1: I agree with you. Um, I think it makes it hard for me to view him as a sympathetic hero. Yeah, I don't disagree. Like, he's not a person. Like, he's literally, like, an automaton, and the only thing convincing him to rebel against those impulses is his lust for this one woman correct, is Faded Maze. It is, but he's not a character. That's... Like, he this is defined is my... entirely by... Yeah. His, in, his literal, like, mental reprogramming. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, I also just want to, like... I l- did buy their angst. Mm-hmm. Like... Look, in terms of reasons for staying away for each other, from each other, she is dedicated to the cause of liberating humans. He is currently working for the bad guys, and even if he wanted to change sides, he's got a bomb in his brain that would blow them all up. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going on or what the truth is or who to believe, and they have a very finite amount of time in which they need to take action. Like, this was very much a believable conflict.
0: Oh, I believed the conflict for sure. I, can I tell you, I really loved the part where they came, her, the company of rogues came to save her. And then yes. she was like torn between both of them because she knows Obsidian can like kick their asses immediately. Mm-hmm. She's a dump here, or whatever the heck, however the heck do you say that. And, um, at the same, so she wants to protect the company of rogues from him But at the same time, she's been working on getting this trust back with him. And she wants to show him that she still cares about him. I thought it was great. And there was this huge action sequence. Like, it was a really great action piece. I thought because there was emotion in it. um, There was character development. The the action itself, Beckman Master can write action scenes. We've talked about this plenty of times. And I I think this is where, uh, like, my disappointment sort
1: of comes in. Like, that scene is one of the foundational things that's supposed to pull at your heartstrings because of Gemma and Mylerin's relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. And again, like, well, they have 15 years of history or whatever, because she came to kill him when she was 16, and then Russia had—like, all this stuff has happened in the intervening years— And I didn't have any of that actual information of them coming to care for each other. And so much of it is based on her resembling this ex-lover of his who I don't even know anything about. Yeah. Like the order in which she's writing these and where she wants there to be an emotional gut punch, I'm just sort of left feeling like it's a disappointment because the groundwork isn't there for me to be invested to feel like that moment was as significant as I clearly was
0: supposed to. Yeah. It's very action-heavy, and that, that is one of McMaster's strengths. Yes. But she in the past, she's done the emotional work as well as the action work, and it didn't quite mesh together here. Yes. All right. Content warnings?
1: Everything you expect from this series?
0: Blood. Violence. Blood sucking, blood sucking that's sexy. So I guess blood, blood play, Is That blood play. Yeah. No. Super
1: traumatic childhoods filled with exploitation and abuse.
0: Yes. And this book I think does include some pretty rough sex. Yeah. I I don't know if it really deserves a content warning because you know, there's, It's not rape. It's not sexual abuse. This is something that Gemma's basically asking for. But it's there.
1: Yeah. The other thing I want to touch on is a little spoilery. But I think it's worth putting here in content warnings as vaguely as I can. Um, There is a woman scorned in this book. Mm Mm-hmm. And not only is her end ultimately really grotesque. But I thought the reductive way she was portrayed. Was a little bit problematic.
0: Yeah, this is. This is really interesting to me because. I feel like it was. And then McMaster also tried to retcon that a little bit. I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a question of whether or not this person had a device in their brain.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, with all these other characters. I don't think she willingly went to the dark side. There was this whole thing about how like, her personality changed. I felt like that was left ambiguous.
1: I thought she was underdeveloped and her motives were very hard
0: to follow. Well, that's fair. I don't disagree that her motives were underdeveloped
1: didn't love that whole character or how that was done. It felt a little bit squicky,
0: like, oh see, women run. We'll go and blow up your plans. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was I didn't hate her character before that part. So I, I thought this is an interesting to me, I thought, okay, there's this person who's had this relationship and how does she deal with it in a professional way? obviously that's not answered (laughs) correct so all right how
1: sexy was this book lane there's a lot of
0: dirty sex i feel like it should have been sexier
1: i don't mean dirty as in like rough or explicit i mean literally like they haven't showered and they've just been in a sewer
0: Mm-hmm. There are parts, okay. Uh, I think part of what attracts me to Jenna, Jenna, what a part of what attracts me to Jenna as a character is that she's she owns her sexuality. Yes. And I liked that. I don't think she lost that. That said, I wished that. I don't know. I I wish that had come more into play. It really didn't feel like. I don't know. It, It felt like Obsidian was in control of most of their sexual encounters.
1: Yeah. And again. This did not feel like a love story. Right. And so the fact that. Their sex was so often Not about them like having an emotional bond, but about a reaction to whatever weird as traumatic thing was happening in their circumstances.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it didn't this would have been a real opportunity to use sex to show the relationship because so much else was happening in the plot. Yeah. And instead, in a weird way, the sex was like an extension of the plot more than an extension of their relationship.
0: Yeah. I will say there's this part where they're like in an abandoned house and he pushes her up against the wall. Then he's like, here, hold your skirts above your waist. And he goes down on his knees and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then what does he do? He sucks blood from her thigh. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to read right now. <laughs> I remember very clearly, because I was like, no, 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 no,
1: no, I'm sitting in, that's not what you should do. (laughs) It also didn't feel like, okay, so whenever he, like, gives into his physical urges for her, he experiences pain
0: because of conditioning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Migrates. And so it was just like, that was not sexy. But also because of that, and because of, like, I don't, this didn't feel, like, super lusty. Yeah. Like they weren't struggling with whether or not they could put their hands all over each other. They could and did often. But then they didn't do it often enough. He,
0: he like, was struggling this... with he was struggling with not can I keep my hands off her, but do I want her enough to put my hands on her to put up with the blinding pain and headaches in my head? Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I I really
1: wanted to love this book because I really loved Gemma's character in the first two and the way this was built up with him being this enemy spy and this secret past in Russia and like jokes on me for thinking I was going to get any of the Russia explained or their love story explained because it's just not here. And it ends up, this one feels like a placeholder that does a lot more to advance the arc of the series. And that that, like, the A-plot was clearly the romance. The point of this book didn't
0: feel like the romance, which was a bummer. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I I think also we we were so hyped up by The Mech Who Loved Me. Because that book, you guys, is, like, so good. And I do think this book starts off really strong. It's
1: it's not a bad book by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know, like, hot Russian super vampire and, like, world's most badass spy.
0: This should be, like, my favorite book ever. Of all time, yeah. (laughs) Well, we will see what happens in Russia next time, so. Thank you for listening.